0: A vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointing, saying, "Let us break their bands asunder, and cast their cords away from us." Now, when I look at this, uh, three words jumped out at me in in uh, in verse one:
1: the word rage,
0: and I want to. The word "rage," the Hebrew word, means to be in commotion, to rage against. The word appears only in Psalm 2:1. This is the only time this word appears in the Bible, and where it denotes the uproar and plotting of the wicked against the righteous. This is what we are running into today. It's classic. What it's uh, our government, the media, everything that's going on is an attack on our beliefs, on what God says is right. So, it denotes, now listen to this, and see if this doesn't ring a bell, it denotes the image of a gathering lynch mob, and conveys well the actions suggested. So, if you remember, in 2020, we had mobs of people uh, burning buildings and screaming and just raging about anything and shooting people. Now, the verb means to be in commotion. What does the word commotion mean? Well, the definition of commotion for Merriman-Webster is this, a condition of civil unrest or insurrection. The commotion was finally brought to an end and peace was restored. It means steady or recurrent motion, mental excitement or confusion and agitated disturbance noisy confusion and agitation now that is exactly the description of what we're seeing from the far left in the United States as they attack the foundations of our country the foundations of scriptures that our body has been that our country has been built on Um, If you look at uh, Psalm 11, verse 3, it says, when the foundation is destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, here the, the psalmist is writing about this and telling us
1: what it is that we're
0: running into. Now, the second word is imagine. And the people imagine a vain thing. Now, imagine means to growl, groan, sigh, mutter, to speak. Use figuratively to meditate and ponder. Now, the Hebrew verb can also refer to the mutterings of a medium or a wizard, the moans of grief, the growl of a lion, and the coos of a dove. So, as you look at this, you can see that these people that are raging, they're imagining that this is, sounds like what it was that they were saying when they were interviewed. They growl, they groan, they mutter, and they're mad. Okay. Now, the third word I want to look at is the word vain. The word vain is a masculine noun meaning emptiness, vanity, and a delusion. It's used with the prefix to mean in vain, uselessly. Imagine plot or a plan that is a delusion, something that is worthless. It's profess, it is professed help that is useless. Now get that. professed help that is useless. So in essence, what we have, why do the heathen rage and the people dream up? useless help okay the kings of the air set themselves and you can look I'm reminded of when uh, Donald Trump put the Jerusalem in uh, the um, embassy of the United States in Jerusalem uh, Ever the nations of the world were raging uh, they went to the security council and they voted and the entire thing voted was 132 votes against the United States. Only nine countries in the world voted with the United States and Israel on that. There was a resolution that they shouldn't have done it. So as you can see, the, the nations of the earth gathering against God. Now we've got China. We've got Russia. We've got Iran threatening nuclear war against Israel And the United States is rather feckless at this point in time. I saw a comic the other day that showed a spaceship and a guy landed, and a space being landed, and he had a sign, and he took it up to this farmer, and it said, Take me to your leader. And the farmer looked at him and says, Well, this is actually a pretty bad time. Can you come back later? You know, uh, leadership in our country right now is, is desperate. We don't have any strong leadership in our country. So, verse three, they're calling for breaking apart everything good about God. They want to break apart the marriage. They want to break apart the family. They want to break apart all of these things that are causing uh, that that stood for God and the, the things that were good. Now, in verse four and five is what I call God's response. This is interesting because it says uh, God, God laughs at them. Now, laugh is often used in a context where ridicule or mockery is directed at something or someone. It's laughter towards a person. So God watches this and He laughs at them. Now, one of the problems that we run into is that when we see something like this, we want God to respond right now. And he doesn't. He responds in his own time. And the trick to being comfortable in this kind of a situation or relying on the Lord is to trust what he says is true. Now, you go on and it says he laughs and he shall hold them in derision. Derision is an interesting word. It's a verb <clears throat> that means to deride, to scorn, and to mock. It means despising them to their face, sneering, making faces at someone. Anyone mocking the poor is said to be derisive towards the Creator. So, as you can see, God's response is He's not worried about what they want to do. It's very difficult. You'll have to excuse my voice. I've been having sinus issues and it is what it is. So, uh, I won't be taking any questions today. Uh-huh. Anyway, now, the next verse, the next section is what I call the believer's confidence. Now, as we look at that, we see verse 6. I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron and thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now that you kings be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, or as the New American says, do homage to the Son, lest He be angry and you perish from the way when His wrath is kindled. Now, the question comes up, Today thou art my Son, this day I have begotten thee. The question I ask is, when did that happen? When, When? because we're talking about the Son of God here. We're talking about Jesus. When did he happen to become his Son? Now, there's an interesting, it's an interesting question. One of the things that we do know, and I'm going to have to get a drink here, excuse me, One of the things that we want to look at, let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 29. We go to Romans eight twenty-nine. We read this. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, many brothers. So, if there's a firstborn, there's a secondborn, a thirdborn, a fourthborn. It doesn't say he was his only born. It said he was his only begotten son, but he said he's the firstborn among his brother. When did that happen? What do you think he meant when he said, uh, today I have begotten thee. When did that happen? Well, we know Jesus is God, so we know he can't be talking about at some point in time, Jesus began to exist, because that would be, that would line up with uh, Jehovah's Witness and their interpretation that Jesus was the greatest created being that God ever created. So that can't be it. We know that's not right. So, what does he mean? That he's the firstborn among many brethren. Well, I would take you to Mark chapter 1 and verse 9. We go to the the baptism of Jesus. It says, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee and was baptized. By John in the door in the Jordan. Immediately coming up out of the water he saw the heavens opening, the spirit like a dove descending upon him, and a voice came from heavens, You're my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit took him into the wilderness. Now I would ask you to consider what was Jesus doing? Did he need to be baptized? We can go to the Gospel of John and see the conversation Jesus had with his cousin. John the Baptist, and John says, Hey, I need to be baptized by you, not you by me. And Jesus, being cool, I think they were talking together, he said, It's okay, let's do this to fulfill the Scriptures. Okay, so he got baptized. Now, what does that baptize, pardon me, what does the baptism represent, okay? And we know that Jesus is modeling for us. One of the things that he did was he set aside being God and he's on the earth as a man. He's fully God, but he's fully man. So he's modeling for us how to live his life with the Holy Spirit, moved and guided by the Holy Spirit. That's what he's doing. So the opening of that is he's born again. He's showing us in order to get new life in Christ, as you go to John chapter 3 and see his discussion with, with uh, uh, Nicodemus. I almost said Nehemiah, but that's not right. Uh, Nicodemus, you see his conversation with Nicodemus. You must be born again. Well, how does that happen? Well, you've got to be born of the Spirit. So when we get born again and we model baptism... We're showing that the old man died and the new man is raised to life. That's when we get born again. Now, the other thing that John tells us is that I baptize you with water. This is what he did to Jesus. But he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And that happens, but it happens later down the road. So, what we're seeing here, I believe is... and in, in Uh, certainly you're you're welcome to, to go in a different direction if you want, but I think it's very clear Jesus is modeling for us the process of becoming born again. He didn't need it, but he's showing us how it worked. Immediately after he does that, in verse 11, and a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Okay? Now, At this point, what we're looking at, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, and although I don't have the Amplified with me, you should read that in the Amplified. If you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and read verse 1, it says this, Faith is the certainty of things hoped for, the proof of things not seen. Okay? And verse 6 says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to believe God. For those, for the one who comes to God must believe that He exists and that He proves to be the one who rewards those who seek Him. So, what does that tell us? Well, when Jesus was born again, His Father comes and says to Him, You are my beloved Son. In you I'm well pleased. We know he couldn't be pleased with Jesus if he wasn't operating in faith. So, one of the things this tells us, and I think we go back to, to Psalm chapter 2. This day I've begotten you, he's talking about being born again. He's talking about Jesus, and he's talking about the option the being born again. You must be born again. Your spirit man is recreated. Well, we know in Jesus he didn't sin. He's simply modeling for us. Don't don't take that, that Jesus sinned and needed to be born again. He's modeling for us. And I believe it's in John uh, chapter 1, I think it's verse 9. Well, rather than talk about it, I better go look it up. Uh, let's see. Yeah. verse 29 the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world so this is he in behalf of whom I said after me is coming a man who is proved to be my superior and I did not recognize him and John testified saying I've seen the Spirit of descending on him as a dove. Now, I didn't get the conversation right, but you can see from John chapter 1 that the baptism of the Spirit and the baptism are two different things. And that Jesus is the one that would baptize in the Spirit. Now, to get back to Psalm chapter 2, I think one of the things that he's telling us through this second set of scriptures in the part that says the believer's confidence, in order to deal with the things that are happening in verses 1, 2, and 3, we have to have confidence that God's going to do what he said he was going to do. He said uh, in verse three or verse 4 and 5 that he laughs at them and he's in derision. And he tells them at the end of it, you better get right with Jesus or he's going to basically wax you. He's going to spank you pretty good. Um, he don't, you don't want him angry at you. So in this case, as we look around in our country and we see the things that are going on, we see the things that are happening uh, with the government, the mandates, the things that are pressing on us to give in. Uh, it's easy to get, get worn out and tired by hearing all the negative stuff. I think this psalm shows you a pattern that the, 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 the governments of this earth are set against God. We need to understand that. When we were born again, we got two, two missions. We're ambassadors, as Corinthians tells us, and we're high priests, as First Peter tells us. So part of our responsibility, and as you look at this, is as a high priest... We take man's concerns to God, and as, as an ambassador, we relay God's resi- desires to the earth. And I think that's what he's talking about here. I think we can take that out of this. But it's important for us as believers to have confidence that God's going to do what he said he would do, even when it doesn't look like it. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 5, I believe it is says we walk. It might be 1 Corinthians 5, 7. I get it confused here. 1 Corinthians 10. No, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Nope, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. I knew I'd get it. You'll have to forgive me. I'm running a little off skelter here. Second Corinthians five seven. <laughs> it's in Corinthians. I'll try one more verse. Here it is. Second Corinthians ten five. I just wanted to see if you guys could find it. Second Corinthians ten five. We are not we are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God, and we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we do not wage war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful. And we walk in faith. Uh, We're not to be in a situation where we watch what's going on around us. You see all the things that are happening. You see the people in the government standing up uh, as uh, Gerald Nadler did and saying things like... uh, we don't care what any religion says about what God thinks about this Congress, in essence. So, I, I come to Psalm 2, and I, as I look at it, I see it as a model for us to be able to walk. One, if you're born again, you have a right to the promises of God. And he said he's going to take care of these people. We've got just Scripture after Scripture. And the last thing I would tell you is one of the things that's modeled uh, by the first three verses. You can go to Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower. In the parable of the sower, Jesus said, The sower sows the word, and Satan comes immediately to steal the word which has been sown. He has five weapons. Affliction, persecution, the deceitfulness of riches, worry and anxiety, and lust and pressure. Pressure on your five physical senses. Those are the five weapons that he uses throughout the Bible. And you can see that he's using those things today as the king's rage, as the government rages, as people rage against Antifa. These other people are raging against our, uh, the, the foundations that this country was established on. The storm is blowing. And these are the five weapons that he uses. But God says, "Take care what you listen to, and hear carefully. Hear the parable of the sower, so we can draw confidence that God will do what He said He would do. Uh, he that, and we can trust that even though it doesn't look like it, God says He's He's laughing, and He holds them in derision, which is what we need to rely on." when we're talking about God now a quick summary of this I think there's three things in here and you'll have to excuse me because my mind is uh, going from one thing to another because I see so many different things about this one, we're going to face opposition two, we can rely on God's response it'll be exactly what he said it would be and he says we win in, in 1 John we're the overcomers We will win. And the second thing uh, that we get out of this is the believer's confidence that God will do exactly what he said. It's the integrity of God's word that stands strong. So within the integrity of God's word, we can rely on him to do exactly what he said he would do. Um, If you go back real quick to Mark chapter 4, I'll show you a quick summary of that. We can rely on God to do exactly what He said He would do. So you go to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day when evening came, Jesus said to them, let's go over to the other side. So if Jesus comes to you and says, let's go over to the other side of the lake, we're going over to the other side of the lake. And He didn't say anything about a storm sinking our boat halfway across the lake. He said we're going over. So if he says we're going over, we can rely on it. And whatever storms arise, we don't have to be afraid of them. It's difficult to be, not be afraid when you're in a hurricane, when you're in a tornado. I've been in nine tornadoes in my life growing up in Indiana. We had nine tornadoes when I was a kid. One uh, took out Eaton, Ohio, and one took out Xenia, Ohio. Those storms were in my area, and we were in all the storms that come around. It's difficult to not be afraid, but Jesus said we could do it. We go to First John, or not First John, John chapter 14. He says, don't be troubled. Don't let it worry you. And in John 16, he tells us, that it's good for you that I'm going away so the Holy Spirit can come. Jesus said He baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what He does in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit slammed into that room and everybody got baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we can see Jesus modeling for us being born again. Then we can see him, him uh, baptizing us in the Holy Spirit. Now, I appreciate you hanging in there for today. And I hope that this takes you can take some comfort in the fact
1: that even though people are raging
0: and warring against us, that Jesus is going to do exactly what He said. And I'd also encourage you that He's given us authority and power to deal with a lot of these storms ourselves. We just need to have the courage and the confidence to go do it. So, I'm going to close with prayer. Father, I thank you for today. I pray that you'll take what I said. The Holy Spirit will move on our behalf. And we thank you, Father, and we bid everybody a much better new year. 2022 is going to be the year of the Lord fulfilling His promises to us. Happy New Year, everybody, and thanks for listening. Thank you.